Well, we appreciate um, the enthusiasm and the priority that you've given to this starting point series of messages. The, the feedback that you've given to Drew and to myself um, is encouraging, right? Because we believe as a church that people matter to God, okay? and therefore they matter to us. And guiding them into a meaningful relationship with Jesus, like that is our main purpose for existence as a church. Okay? Last week, uh, Drew shared a message that helped us understand uh, why being a member of a church, being committed to a group of people, makes sense in our journey toward a more meaningful relationship with God. Okay? And we're encouraging you at the end of this to say, I'm in. Like, I want to journey as a part, this, make this church my church, okay? But before you do, we probably ought to give you a little bit of what you're in for. And so today we're going to talk about mission, what we believe about our mission. Our, our goal as a church is to purposefully and lovingly and unashamedly engage those who don't know Jesus, okay? And let them know that there's hope. And that there's freedom from sin. And that there is eternal life only through Jesus. Okay? And we're committed to um, the interaction that's required to live out those one another's that Drew preached about and shared with us last week in the context of our relationship within the church. But that said, this morning, let me share just a little bit uh, about our history. Okay? Now... I either told you or reminded you a couple weeks ago that this local church has been in existence for 68 years. Okay? Over that time, a lot of attention has been given by our leadership to the question of why we exist okay? or what is our purpose, our mission. When I first came to, to Troy Christian Church in 1999, and even before that, okay, until now, our mission is read, Troy Christian Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Jesus and helping them grow to become more like Him. And you've heard us many times describe ourselves as a connecting place, okay? A place where people can get connected into a meaningful relationship with Jesus. And, and while we think that is foundational to salvation, okay, We've taken a step back, tried to refocus, and look at what God's Word has to say about our primary mission, the primary mission of the church, and recalibrate where we think our church needs to be positioned. Okay? To be connected, right? to be connected to Jesus through a decision to surrender your life to Him. Okay? That is a great and necessary start. All right, that is what evangelism is all about, sharing the good news, connecting people to Jesus. Okay? Now, to be connected to Jesus through the challenges of life that are inevitable uh, and that will come, that is an absolutely critical connection we've found as we've gone through difficulties and trials and challenges, many of us believing that that connection to Him is the only thing that helped to make it, us make it through. And to be connected to Jesus at the end of life, like that means everything, right? That's what it all comes down to. Yet if we're not careful, we can communicate that that connection is something that happens and that it's complete 
and it's finished, as opposed to what we read in the scripture, that there's a relationship with Jesus that just has a dynamic life to it, right? The living and breathing relationship we have with him. And so while communicating that connecting to him was complete, that was never our intention, nor that wording, it wasn't what we had in mind, we decided to purposefully clarify our mission, okay? So we've talked in this series about the Bible is our foundation, and we turn to it to consider this mission. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, okay? In your Bible, in your Bible app, if you want to grab that Bible in front of you in the chair, it's on page 989, Matthew 28, last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, the last three verses of that chapter gives us the clearest summary of the mission of the church. It's often referred to as the Great Commission. Okay, in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, we read these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we recently reworded our mission statement of the church to read that Jesus calls us to make disciples who make disciples. And it comes from this passage. We want to do more than just connect people to Jesus and just grow them personally. We want to make disciples or followers of Jesus who then make additional disciples that we realize that this whole gospel was meant to be received and then it was meant to be shared. We want to see this church and especially God's kingdom grow and reproduce and be perpetuated long after we are gone because we're not just reaching people with the gospel message, but we're making disciples. We're growing disciples or followers of Jesus. Now, when we talk about a disciple, let me explain what we mean. Okay, we just put four pieces to that. It's in your bulletin in the notes. A disciple is a person who knows Jesus, like personally knows him in relationship. Not someone who knows about Jesus, but who's in relationship with him. And they follow Jesus, meaning he is their boss. He, we use the term master, or we turn, use the term Jesus is my Lord. That's what we're talking about. I make decisions in my life as a disciple based on the authority of Jesus over me. Here's what life ought to look like. Okay? They're also being changed by Jesus. Here we're talking about life transformation. Okay? The Chris who sits in one of these chairs in November of 2019 should be different than the Chris who sat in that chair in April of 2019 because during that time I've journeyed with Jesus and he's growing me and he's changing me. There's that being changed by Jesus and ultimately we're asking you as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, to be committed to the mission of Jesus, the mission of making disciples. Not just our church mission, but that be your personal mission as well. In Mark chapter 12 beginning in verse 28 you might hold that place in Matthew we'll be back there in a minute Mark chapter 12 beginning in verse 28 look on the on the screen if you would with me it says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating 
Noting that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There is a life that we form with God. And then there is the fruit of that life that's shown in our relationship with others, Jesus would say. He said in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by this love, we'll all know that you are my disciples if you love one another one another so as disciples or followers of jesus we engage in this journey we call it discipleship a a life of following him okay and so just so we understand terms when i talk about discipleship we're talking about the process of growing in our relationship with jesus and with other people and then duplicating that growth in other people i receive the message i live the message I share the message. That's what God has called us to as his people. We know that there's greater work to be done in this city because he's left us as his followers here to be a light, to be salt, to have influence, to show love to them and to show love to one another as he's commanded us. Now back in Matthew chapter 28, I want to consider more fully how Jesus describes what he wants his disciples to be about. Now the setting takes place in Galilee. Jesus has risen from the grave. He's walked out of the tomb. He's returned to be reunited with his disciples. And they've met him on the mountain where he told them to go. And here's how the passage goes. It starts in verse 18 where he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The church is based, this church is based on the authority of Jesus. Let's not misunderstand. This is his church. The decisions we make are based on what we believe Jesus is leading us to do. Not on a minister's ego, not on a leader's agenda, not on society's values or priorities or lack thereof. In a healthy church, Jesus is is the authority. And his word or the Bible is is our guide and our mission is his mission and he describes that mission verse 19 therefore go and make disciples of all nations he says our mission is to make disciples to make sure that people come to know jesus christ and that's why we say without shame that we want to grow this church we want more people coming here And we want us going out so that people can hear the message of the gospel and give their lives to Jesus. And he goes on and tells us how to make disciples there in verse 19 and 20. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age so jesus gives this two-part strategy first he says go and make disciples and he says baptize them and teach them that's why we make a big deal about baptism around here because jesus said this is important then teach people 
to obey, Jesus says, everything I've commanded you. He just doesn't want us to convert people. Just share the gospel message. Just connect them with him. He also wants us to disciple them. Okay? And that's why that's our mission. Now, if making disciples is the what, let me talk just a moment about the how, okay, or our method. Okay? We've known for a long time to get bigger, we've got to get smaller than the church. Okay? Um, maybe you're like me. Like I felt alone in a church of 50, and I felt alone in a church of 5,000. Realized it didn't matter the size, it mattered my, it mattered my willingness to connect with people. Okay? I felt connected in a church of 150, in a church of 400, in a church of 2,000. It didn't matter the size, it mattered to me. Right? So to grow as a Christian disciple, I need relationships with other Christians, and I need this growing knowledge of and application of the Bible. So if you're keeping notes with me, understand this. Christian growth requires the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the people of God. All three, we're told, are important. Now we've said for years that we think life change is accomplished best in small groups. Okay? The next season of our church life, we're focusing our efforts on creating and connecting people in biblical, relational environments. Not just a small group, but a specific small group that is Bible-focused, application-oriented, people-centered, where disciples are intentional about making disciples. And this will make sense as we uh, lay this all out for you. But these environments, these biblical, relational environments, they're going to grow out of our small groups. And they'll grow out of our ministry teams and our Christian education classes. They'll be prevalent in our student ministry, in our children's ministry, all throughout. Now, December 1st, we're gonna have, we'll have a vision Sunday, that Sunday. And we're going to break out how we're going to develop these things with more clarity. And how we intend to move them from tools of information and tools of activity to tools for equipping disciples. That's what we're called to do. Now, we don't control the future, right? We have no idea how many people God will bring to Troy Christian Church. But what we do know is that God has us here, and so we can prepare for the future first by discipling the people we have, by growing ourselves as Christians, and then growing into disciplers ourselves. To understand what we've said many times over the last few months, like we have 300 billboards for Troy Christian Church, and they'll walk out of this place today. They're you and I. We are, we are the best communication, and we ought to be, for God's work in people. Now, we'll talk more about that next month. But to understand the, the discipleship part of our mission better, let me lay out for you our measurement. Okay? Now, I've been part of a lot of discussions with church leaders over the years about how it is that we would um, gauge a healthy, God-honoring church. Like, what is it that you, what it is you measure? And for years, I would say, like nationally in the church, those discussions revolved around things like budgets, or maybe buildings, or church attendance. Those were the measuring rods. Um, yet as a church, we want to do more than just accumulate people. That's not the goal. We actually want to, to grow and deploy a group of people that we believe will substantially impact 
this community and the communities that all of us come from to be a part of this church. So we've had to think deeper about what success looks like, what it is we think is important. And so uh, we've moved away from uh, church programs as a sign of success and moved more toward understanding and putting our eyes on on how people grow in their faith, okay? How our personal holiness becomes to look more like Jesus himself. How we make strategic connections in our community. How we engage and put our lives into play by serving other people. How we share the gospel with others. What do our relationships with one another look like? Things that, um, that reflect disciples who are committed to making disciples, growing ourselves so that we might engage the people in our life around us with the message of Jesus. That's what it's about. So we ask ourselves as a church, how do we help people live lives that matter? Like now and beyond. And we ask ourselves, how do we make our lives matter to those who might remain lost or separated from God if we don't fulfill the reason for which we as individuals and we as a church were created to connect people to Jesus and to disciple or grow them. Now, to grow personally or to help someone else to grow spiritually, we have to understand how people grow. So there are different like growth stages physically, and then we're, I want to correlate though to some growth stages spiritually. So physically, there's this time before we are born when we're in the womb, right? Preparing for the great launch. (laughs) Then there's infancy. And then there's childhood. And if we keep growing and our parents let us live, there's young adulthood, okay? And for many of us, we transition into parents later on sometime in life. And so what I, I, I put a copy in your bulletin of this wheel, this discipleship wheel, Um, to help you understand just growth. Now realize, this isn't a chapter and verse. You can't go to a chapter and verse in the Bible. It's just a tool to help us understand how we grow, help us identify where we might be spiritually in our life or where someone else might be and where what it would take to help move us along spiritually as well. So I'm going to encourage you as we talk through this, just look at this for yourself. Decide where you fit, okay? Um, I'm going to talk about these different stages on the inner band in the diagram here. We'll talk about people who are separate from God. We'll talk about those who are spiritual infants or spiritual children, spiritual young adults, spiritual parents. Again, I just want you to continue to ask, where am I on this and what might it look like for me to grow? So we talk about those who are separate from God. On here, they're called spiritually dead. Now, that's not meant to be offensive, But there are those who have not yet entered into a faith relationship with Jesus among us. Some people are examining it. Others are considering it. Perhaps there are some who don't have a relationship with Jesus that are just here for for some other reason. The person they're sitting next to. I don't know what it might be, right? But I'm fairly sure that among us, um, at times, no doubt, we have people who are atheists or agnostics. We have people who might be pantheists or people who might be universalists and uh, I'm not going to waste all of our time uh, lining all those out, okay? I just want us to realize that, that there are people um, 
that God brings into this place. Some of them are angry at him. Some of them might even be angry at the church for some reason or another. Some might think the Bible is a hoax. Listen, if, if that's you, like you're welcome here. We're still going to embrace Jesus as our hope for eternal life. We're still going to embrace God's word as truth and foundational for all of our living. But it's our hope that, that if that's you, that you would accept the gift of eternal life that I preached on two weeks ago. That you'll see clearly what Paul wrote in Romans 6.23 where he said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I hope that our lives will help convince you of the truth of that. Now, for some of you, you might be more like a spiritual infant, okay, on the wheel here. Just like a, just like a physical infant. The spiritual infant is dependent, okay? They're lacking knowledge. They're lacking experience. <laughs> They're lacking perspective, okay? Infants consume. They don't contribute, okay? They don't know anything. They're needy. But it also, at times, they're very enthusiastic. And you expect these things, right? Because they're babies. Like, I wish I could bundle up the energy of our granddaughter Adeline and, and just get a piece of that, right? Or the enthusiasm of our grandson Braden. They're, they're just infants. But they love life, and it's exciting to watch. And if an infant Christian, like they're new, and they're growing, and they crave being fed, and they're enthusiastic about reaching out to others. And everybody starts here, right, as an infant. And yet if you, if you get stuck in this spot, if you find that you're spiritually at that infant stage, then you will find that you will start to avoid the things that will help you grow. You'll avoid things like scripture and community and serving and accountability and sometimes even worship. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you weren't ready for it yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. Infants need taught. You know someone who's a spiritual infant, if you're a spiritual infant, you need encouraged, and you need new habits to grow. And if you grow, you grow into the stage of being spiritually a child. Now, again, a spiritual child's world is, that, is like that of a physical child's world. Like it's all about them, okay? You can find them overly concerned about someone else's behavior or whether or not um, their own needs are being met or how godly or ungodly they might appear to someone else. Perhaps you might hear them talking about um, their preference in music, or things that revolve around themselves. The spiritual child needs to connect with God more personally, and they need to connect with a spiritual family because lessons learned in community will help the child to grow. Okay? In the book of Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, we read these words. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, 
who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So you'll know when you're ready to move past childhood when you've trained yourself. When have your own prayer time and your own study time. When you engage in church events and activities without the, the prodding and the initiative of someone else like a, like a spouse or a parent or perhaps a friend. And you even come to church on your own when they're not going to be here. The sign of growing up. And then there's the spiritual young adult. Now, a spiritual young adult, um, like a physical young adult, is learning to become self-reliant. They're learning to become a contributor. They've gone through that childhood stage and they're beginning to become others-centered. They begin to understand their need for lordship and for serving others. And their spiritual world starts to grow bigger because it's not all about them. And they're fed, by, um, they're fed by purpose. And they're fed and they grow by serving. And they find fulfillment in, use, in, in being used by God to add value to other people. They have a solid personal relationship with God. They're well connected with others in the church body, as Drew preached about last week, and, and they find they now need to live beyond themselves. Remember when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 called the first disciples, and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, that it will be about other people and not about yourself. And so spiritual young adults grow through uh, being trained, and they grow through serving and they grow because we release them to make a spiritual difference in this world. And then finally, there's a spiritual parent. Now, the spiritual parent um, has learned to grow as a result of feeding themselves. They don't rely on just the preacher, just on the education teacher, just on the small group leader. They've taken ownership for that through their disciplines and their personal um, relationship with God. And like good physical parents, right, they sacrifice and they work to have an impact in the lives of their children, those who they're discipling. They become intentional about how they live because they want to share the gospel, and they want to help other people grow in maturity, and so they invest in other people's growth. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, those things entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So are you others-focused? Are you mission-minded? Are you looking for partners in the discipling journey? We at Troy Christian Church are about making disciples who make disciples. And so when you look at that, you ask yourself, where am I at? Okay. Um, where am I going? Who am I taking with me on this journey? Are there people that I'm learning from? Are there people that I'm learning with? And are there people who are learning from me? Now we'll explore again more of this on our Vision Sunday on December 1st. Um, today I just want you to understand our mission. And let me close with a story. <clears throat> Aaron Chambers is a preacher in Colorado. And he wrote a book called Eating with Sinners. And he talks about, as a young parent, taking their young son out with them one night 
um, to eat at a restaurant. Okay? It was a rib restaurant, and messy place, as you would expect, like all good rib places are. Um, and they got home that night, and they realized they're missing something really important. Their, their young son always carried with him his blanket. Okay? He called it his mine. Uh, now, we would think it looks more like a rag now, he said, because it's so worn and so well-loved. But that night at 10.30, they discover we don't have, he doesn't have his mine. And so there's a little bit of panic sets in. The restaurant's closed, nothing they can do. He won't be consoled. He cries himself to sleep. The next morning, they call the restaurant. They get in touch with the head waitress who says, I understand. I'm a mom, been there, done that. I'll do my best to find it. She tells how she went through all of the trash and she couldn't find it. And so she went out to the dumpster and she climbed in the dumpster and began searching through the bags of trash to find this little boy's blanket. There's a man standing next to the dumpster and, and he was uh, just smoking a cigarette and, and asked her what in the world she was doing. And she explained, he said, well, I'm a grandpa, I understand. And so he climbed into the dumpster with her. And they found the mine, the blanket, right? So they called them back and they said, well, we have some, some good news and some bad news. <laughs> the good news is that we found it. The bad news is that it was in a bag of half-eaten ribs and it's, it's soiled and with sauce and garbage. And, but as you would expect, the mom came and got the blanket and washed the blanket and that night the boy went to sleep with his mind <laughs> and all the world was well again. Now Aaron Chambers, who wrote the book, he, he said, doesn't that just illustrate what Jesus Christ has done for you? You were lost. You're soiled by sin. You're thrown into the trash. <laughs> but Jesus climbed down into the, the dump of this world and he dug and he dug saying, mine, mine, mine. And he found you. And he spilled his blood for you. And the blood of Jesus Christ washed you and made you clean. And if you choose... You can become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of his, and he will change your life, and he will change your eternity. And if you really get to know him and his heart for other people, then you will join him in his purpose of making disciples who make disciples. So where are you at? Where are you going? And who are you taking with you on the journey? You can have Josh put that um, drawing back up on the screen. And I'm just going to ask you to spend a couple minutes just praying. Like just being real, you and God. God, where am I here? And where, what do you want next in my life? How can I grow from where I'm at to who you want me to be? Just a couple minutes of thinking, praying, and committing our lives to him right where we're at on this day. <clears throat>
So if you find God is telling you that he wants you to join us on our mission, okay, we'd love to have you. In a couple weeks, you're invited. We'll, we'll talk about that as we go. If you find that you need to grow in Jesus, like we all do, but that's what God's message is to you, you are in the right place. We will help you with that. And if you find that what you really need to do is to meet Jesus, accept him for the first time, get your life right, get your eternity straight, get your purpose on, I'd love to talk to you as we sing this next song. I'm going to pray, and we'll stand together and sing. Join myself or a couple of the guys in the back. I'd love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, there is a world that needs every person that's here today. You've, you've created us and called us with purpose. First to connect with you, then to grow in you, then to see and understand your heart, and then to be your heart to this community, to the people in our lives, our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, the people, Lord, that you have brought into our life to be light, to be salt, to be on mission as your disciples, to make disciples. Lord, that is worthy of a life calling. That is worthy of living this day. Lord, you give our life purpose and you empower us to do it and we thank you for that, Lord. I pray if there are those who still need to meet you, Lord, that they would meet you this very day, this very hour. I pray in Jesus' name.